0: Okay, well, we are gonna pick up in Mark, chapter seven. Uh, Before we get there, uh, just uh, somewhat, I guess within the past year, uh, when I was up here a couple of times, we went through Mark. And we went through Mark, we were around Mark 53 through 56, and we spoke about the power of his presence. People were coming out to see Jesus, and they were being healed, and they were seeking him, and it was just an a, a incredible um, situation that was taking place because of the, the reason is why were they coming out to see him? They wanted healing, they were, they were in need, they were hurting, and, uh, and then we moved on to uh, Mark 7. And we looked at the, uh, well, the title was Avoiding the Dangerous Traditions of Men. And Jesus spoke about the things that come out of a man's heart. And so he's talking about the defilement of man coming from within the flesh. And then, of course, we get into the text we're going to be in today. And that's Mark chapter 7, verses 24 through 30. And at this point, keeping in mind that Jesus was just speaking about uh, being uh, clean and uncleanliness, or, you know, uh, and then he goes into this territory that that he goes into, it's pagan territory. So it's a very interesting passage. I think there's a lot there. Uh, There obviously is a lot there. And I want to get into this. And today's uh, uh, title is The Power of a Faithful Intercessor. And as we look at this passage, uh, there is power to be had. His power, His might, His direction, and we play a role in that in many ways. And, you know, if I were to take a survey, an anonymous survey today, of every single person in in this room, every single person is praying for somebody. Every person is interceding for somebody. And you're asking and begging and pleading the Lord for a change in their life, maybe within your own life, your children's lives, friends' lives. And so if we were to take that survey, I know that this passage ministers to us. So as we go through it, uh, consider those, consider the role, I uh, guess, our, our role as the intercessor. And then consider those that are hurting, that we're praying for, those that maybe need the Lord, need healing, need a change in their life. So Keep that in mind. And as we go through this, keep in mind uh, the gospel of Mark, the audience being a, a Gentile audience. And it plays a major role with the passage we're about to receive. So as you look at, well, actually in Mark um, chapter 6, earlier on in chapter 6, there's something that takes place. And I don't know if I have this passage for you, but, uh, but in, in, during uh, Mark chapter 6, verse 1, he, Jesus returns to Nazareth to his hometown. And it's, it's where people are rejecting him in his own home. And they're saying things like in verse 2 that the, they're asking, where did he get this wisdom? Where did he get this power? In verse 3, they refer to him as, isn't he the carpenter? Isn't he the son of Mary? The son of Mary. And perhaps with the rumors of Mary's uh, birth or uh, pregnancy of Jesus. Isn't this that guy? These are wondering. And it says in verse 3 at the end that they took offense at him. They took offense at Jesus. They had no um, belief, no understanding, no faith in him. And in Mark chapter 6, verse 5, it says this. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them, except to place hands on a few sick people and heal them. Because of their unbelief, that word apistia. Apistia is unfaithfulness. Because of their faithlessness because they were faithless. That word means faithless. And it's rooted in apostas which is to not to be trusted. They didn't trust Jesus. He was one that not to be trusted to them. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles. Miracles, that word is dunamis, where we get the word dynamite. If there's power, that word means power. It means strength. So there was a lack of strength because of lack of faith. And it's important for us to understand when we intercede for people. As we see what we're about to read, uh, how this woman uh, intercedes. So when we see this passage and we connect it with what we're going to look at today, uh, I think it's powerful. In Mark chapter 6, verse 6, it says, speaking of Jesus, and he was amazed at their unbelief. Then Jesus went from village to village teaching the people. He was amazed, thaumazo. Thaumazo means to marvel to be astonished. He was surprised. He, it, in other words, he was blown away. He's looking and he's thinking, this is unbelievable. I'm amazed that they do not have faith. that They don't have the faith in what they're hearing, what they're seeing. And so keep that in mind as we go through our text. And our text is Mark chapter 7, verse 24. So if you turn there, Jesus his ministry is on the move here. In verse 24, it says, And from there he arose and went, went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. Look at that. He could not be hidden. Amen? It says, And he went, he, he went in there and he arose and he went. He withdrew. In Matthew's account, the it says withdrew he withdrew he purposely rose up he said i'm going that way he has just talked about uh, avoiding the traditions of men and the things of the heart that come out of the heart and then he gets up and he goes into this area this pagan territory so jesus withdraws what does he withdraw from well he's withdrawing he withdrew from large crowds he withdrew from mockers he withdrew or did he not the question is this from the healings and the teachings that were going on no no Jesus moves his ministry. He's just continuing ministry. But he's withdrawing from these large crowds, from the mockers, from the people that are testing him and, and what have you. He moves away specifically, uh, withdraws from Jewish territory to seclusion, to privacy. Jesus did, and did not want anyone to know He was going in seclusion to privacy. And this location here is on the border of the Gentile territory. How deep he went into, we don't know. Um, But we know that he was in this border area of this pagan territory, which speaks volumes for us as believers. Because we're in this world, amen? And it's filled, it's a pagan world, if you will, all around us. The enemy is at work. So he didn't want anyone to know. Was it to, as he would do, spend time in prayer, Uh, maybe to avoid the interruptions that are going on? Um, Or was it for one-on-one training with his disciples? Because he is with his disciples. Is it for safety reasons? Whatever it is, we know, we do know that he continues his ministry. He continues ministering, as we will read. He continues to make himself available. Oh, he doesn't want anyone to know. He's going into seclusion. He's withdrawing from everything going on. But he continues to make himself available. So he's on the move, yet he is always available. Today, you might feel like, well, where's the Lord in this? Where's the Lord? He's always available. And as an intercessor, we need to understand that and grasp that. Amen? It says that, uh, yet he could not be hidden. That Greek word is lanthano. Lanthano means hidden, secretly, without knowing. But you know what? We all know that Jesus can't be hidden. We can't hide from the Lord. You know, people, whether uh, even the non-believers, they can't hide from the Lord. They know who Jesus is, and they probably see it in us. They should see it in us. They should see him in the church. Oftentimes, people maybe aren't walking right. Churches aren't operating correctly, and Jesus gets a black eye. But the thing is here is he cannot be hidden. And we are not hidden, nor are we to be hidden, but we should, people should see the Lord. They should see what we have, who we know, our relationship, and who we're with, and want that, desire that. You know, wherever we go, people should see Jesus. Who we are should not be hidden. You know, I was, I was thinking of someone in particular for an example, because uh, at our last man's retreat, um, I, uh, when I, when, uh, or the one before, when I met uh, Israel, and uh, you know, I heard about Israel, a brother up here in front, and it was really cool because I was waiting to meet him, and I remember sitting in the, in the lobby area or whatever with uh, Jimmy, and Izzy comes in, and uh, you know how it should be, when you think about it, hey, with, someone should be able to talk to us. Within five minutes, they should know something's different that you're not part of the world. Well, with Izzy, it took 30 seconds because we were immediately talking about the Lord. He was quoting scriptures and we were getting a little excited in there. But just like that, people should know that we are about Jesus. Jesus should not be hidden in our lives wherever we go. So let's move on to this this passage. In in Mark uh, 7, 25, it says here, It speaks of someone, the intercessor. But immediately, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. In verse 26, now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. So here we have this woman who is the intercessor. She comes in, Jesus is is getting away, he's with his disciples, he enters a house, he's hidden, he doesn't want anyone to know, but this woman with a great need shows up. She came unannounced, she's a Gentile, she's from this area of idolatry, paganism, yet she's in desperate need, and she's in front of the Savior. It says that she came and fell down at his feet. That word came is euthus in the Greek. Euthus, and it means straight away, immediately, just then. So look at this. But immediately, just then, straight away, immediately, a woman whose little daughter who had unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down his, his feet. She didn't waste any time. She, she heard of him. She knows who he is. She's heard of Jesus She's heard of Jesus, she's probably heard of the hope, the healing, the forgiveness that's available, the deliverance, the miracles that are taking place, the possibility of the Messiah. She is a woman of faith. She hears about Christ and immediately, just right then, she goes. So we need to know, people need to know who they're going to. It's important of knowing who Jesus is. We need to represent him well so they know who they're calling upon. You know, just uh, recently, in the last couple of weeks, um, I was waking up my son, Jonathan, for work, or maybe it was church, I don't know what it was, but uh, so I'll give him a little helping hand, and uh, go in his room, and I wake him up, and you know, it takes about 20 minutes or so, because he's kinda beat, and I'll, Johnny, wake up, Johnny, wake up, Johnny, wake up. And I try to get creative, I'll tell him jokes, I'll say things, I'll talk about silly things. And uh, and then I wake him up. Well, this time he wasn't waking up, he was really tired. And he has this little box in his room. It's like an Alexa, I guess it's Alexa box. I don't know, something, Alexa box or whatever. And it plays music, you know, it does all the alarms and everything. So, you know, I'm in there and I'm thinking, okay, you know what, hey, Alexa. And uh, I've asked him to do other things like a joke or whatever. Hey, Alexa, um, play some cumbias, you know? So, <laughs> so uh, and then she finds it and she plays it, but she plays it super loud. It's really loud. It's going, it's like a party in the house. I'm like, okay, whoa, I don't know what I'm listening to because my Spanish is like this and the, you know, I don't understand what I'm listening to. So it's really loud and I'm like, okay, you know, I want to wake up my son, but I don't want to upset him either. He's gonna get out of here, whatever. So I'm like, okay, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta tell her to stop. And so I needed, I needed to say, you know, it's too loud. I, okay, stop. So I say, you know, I, so I go to her and I say, um, hey, Siri, stop the music. Nothing. I, I said, hey, Siri, stop the music. I walk up to it. I'm like, hey, Siri, stop. Oh, wait a minute. That's Alexa. And so then I realize I'm calling the wrong person. And it was kind of funny. I think he laughed and he woke up. Uh, and it was not on purpose, but uh, it worked. Uh, but I was calling on the wrong person, uh, Siri, Alexa, whatever. And, uh, but Jesus, she's calling on the right person because she heard about him. She knows who he is. She knows what he's doing. And she comes and falls down at his feet. Maybe it's like we spoke about recently, uh, Zacchaeus. Remember that? Zacchaeus knew Jesus was going to be passing by. And this uh, chief tax collector, as we, you know, we just recently talked about, went under the tree to get a glimpse, and, uh, you know, he gets saved. Uh, but he made an effort, old guy running, old guy climbing, jumping down in front of everyone, saying Zacchaeus points him out and takes him home, He gets, or to his house, and he gets saved. So maybe this is her moment. This is her, her moment of making an effort. But look at, if you will, to Mark chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. Mark chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. We see something taking place here. <clears throat> and it says this, Jesus withdrew to the sea with his disciples and a great multitude from Galilee followed and also from Judea and from Jerusalem and from Idumea, and beyond the Jordan and the vicinity of Tyre and Sidon. A great number of people heard of all that he was doing and came to see him or came to him from that area. So these people, perhaps people were, that were going out there, were seeing, hearing, maybe getting saved, delivered, and they're coming back, these Gentiles, to their, their territory. And she hears about Jesus. And she's hearing the stories of what they're bringing back. And she has a daughter. She, yeah. And so here, I'm, I'm just thinking, <laughs> I want to say this. You know, this past, what, two weeks, maybe, I think, I've um, I found some uh, Christian music that I don't really search for Christian music, and it was just sweet, beautiful, tender music that really, I believe, timely, the Lord just put on my heart for this message, because the, the, the music was great and all, but it brought me into this woman's pain. It brought me to understand that this woman has a daughter who is demon-possessed, And she's demon-possessed, and she's hearing these stories. You know, perhaps without, you know, people might be returning with these stories, but maybe she was among them. Maybe, just perhaps, she went and went to seek Jesus. Maybe she already had made an effort. It's possible. I don't know. That's speculation. But we do know she's hearing about it. These people from her area are hearing about it. But maybe she was feeling ashamed to approach him. You know, we could go on ashamed. Maybe she felt guilty from where she is and she's a woman. Maybe she wasn't yet convinced about Christ. Whatever the reason, if that is the case, you know, we could find ourselves in similar situations where we hold back our intercessory prayers because we think Jesus might be too busy or this is too minor, but it might be a minor thing in someone's life that we love that is going to be the turning point where they head the opposite way. And we need to bring these things to the Lord and not hold back. She didn't hold back. Because what we do know is she knew about him. However she found out, whatever she was hearing or experienced or not coming forward, we know she heard and she, she shows up immediately. Immediately, just then, straight away, she goes. Jesus is here and she goes. Philippians 4, 6 says this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. There's no holding back. Don't hold back your requests. Don't hold back your prayers. You're seeking of the Lord for those that are hurting, those that are lost, those that are turning, those that that don't know the Lord, that are rejecting him, whatever the situation. He's faithful. And in James 1.5, it says this, But if any of you lacks wisdom... Let him ask of God, ask of God, who gives all to all generously and without reproach. And it will be given to him generously, without reproach. Generously means in an abundance. Without reproach, it means without being rebuked or without being scolded. I mean, God forbid you ever go to your parent and you ask them for something. Imagine the feeling if you ask, hey, hey dad, uh, this and that, and you're scolded for asking. You should know this by now. That's not the Lord's heart. The Lord's heart is when you ask, he generously gives. So when we, we have these things heavy on our heart, just like this woman, she fell down, prospipto, prospipto, to fall down, prostrate. She falls forward. It means to fall forward, to fall down, to prostrate oneself. She was in complete surrender to the Lord. She was in complete, uh, uh, she threw herself at the mercy of God, desperate need she's in complete surrender, and she's pleading for mercy. That is an intercessor. That's who we need to be. When we come to the Lord, that we just lay everything out away and all the distractions. I pray often for the the service that the Lord would remove the distractions so that we could present ourselves for him, ready for direction, correction, empowerment, So that we could be found in his will. She is prostrate before the Lord. A woman, a Gentile in this area. He wants seclusion. And she presents her her request to him. And it, it is just beautiful what takes place here. The heart of this woman. The intercessors. Look at verse 26. or Yeah, 26. Now, look at this desperation. Let's look at her circumstances. Now, the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. She begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. In Matthew's account, Matthew has this recorded as well in Matthew chapter 15. I, begin, I believe it's 21 through something. Uh, it's another six or seven verses. Matthew 15 verse 22 says this, And behold... A Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. Severely oppressed. Look at Matthew's account. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out crying, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. Listen to her cry to the Lord. O Lord, son of David. She's showing up with the titles of Christ. She's showing up completely in surrender to the Lord. She is making her desperate request. This, we see right here in particular, in this context, a mother's love. We, she sees her opportunity and she goes for it. There's always opportunity. We need to be intercessors. You know, we're looking at in the context of a woman, a mother, a Gentile. But it's for all of us today. I'm not a mother, I'm not a woman, whatever, but we are intercessors. And removing all that and understanding the heart and understanding how she understands Jesus and her plea to the Lord. It says a Canaanite woman, the, the, the love of a mother we're seeing in action. Think about the love of a mother. You know, there's something beautiful in that. You know, I'm a father and I love my children But Carol, she loves them from the mother's perspective, understanding, experience. And there's a beauty in there that we can't duplicate. It's the beauty of that mother's love. You know, I've watched Carol for years. Uh, Whether it's something to do with the kids, uh, something needs to be done. Whether a phone call needs to be made, paperwork needs to be processed, inquiries. She's all over it. She's always all taking care of the kids, interceding, helping out. And spiritually speaking, likewise. Likewise, us being there for the ones we love, interceding in this context for the ones we love. She shows up to Jesus unannounced. There's a boldness there. She is interceding. She is this now. She is a Gentile. She's not a Jew. She's Syrophoenician. That's her nationality. That's where she was born in that territory. But Matthew points out that she's a Canaanite by ethnicity, A Canaanite. So here's this Canaanite woman. The people that the Lord wiped out when he brought his people into the land because of the wickedness. And she is coming before Jesus Christ. This woman is operating in boldness. You know, this world is full of desperate people. It's full of people that are hurting, looking for hope, direction. And this woman... Perhaps a former idolater. Perhaps throughout her life she's exhausted the call out to Id- Id- idols. I don't know. I know where she's from. I know where she's raised. I don't know if when she fe- understood who Jesus was and realized and had faith in him. But perhaps she was a former idolater. And there's people in this world that are still stuck in types of idolatry. Self-help and have no hope, and there's a vicious cycle that takes place as the enemy has his way with giving people false hope, false victories. But this woman, she's in the middle of trials and struggles because her daughter is demon-possessed, and trials and struggles should, and they do, they draw the heart. They draw the heart to desperation. I need help, Hey, you're a Christian, aren't you? Would you do me a favor and pray for my wife? Pray for my friends. Pray for my daughter, my son. You see, trials and struggle, they they draw the heart. And we need to be people who intercede for them. We need to pray for people to turn to the Lord in the midst of their trials. Because they're hurting and they don't, sometimes they have no idea what they need. But you know what? The Lord, he created us. And there's this draw that we all have equal opportunity to. That we, some don't respond, some reject, or some wrestle with. Some receive it and receive the Lord. So we need to pray for people in these situations when we're not believers and they're feeling hopeless, helpless. And we're around, we need to be helpful. This mother's torment, in, verse, in that verse uh, 26, the latter part. She begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter, but Matthew's account is specific. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. <clears throat> this, in Matthew fifteen twenty-two, look at these other uh, translations. In the NIV, says she's suffering terribly. In the New Living Translation, it says demon uh, torments her severely. New King James says, severely demon-possessed. And the NASB um, 95 says, cruelly demon-possessed. There is no mercy when you're at the hands of Satan. He will destroy. And this poor mother, (laughs) she is dealing with pain, suffering. Her child is demon-possessed. And, and to relate to that, you think of the person that you're praying for. And they might not be demon-possessed, but they're rejecting God. They don't have a, the first clue about God. And it breaks your heart. And in, as it breaks your heart, it should be at the same because the end is the same for the demon-possessed person and the person who says, God's not for me. Their end is the same. And so our pain should be the same. Our desire, our compassion, our our desire to intercede for them. This mother's torment, watching her daughter being cruelly demon-possessed. Think about the pain that this woman is going through, feeling helpless. It says that she begged. Erotao is the Greek word. Erotao means to request, to entreat, to beg, to beseech. She's begging the Lord for deliverance for her daughter's sake. She is begging it also in, it means that she kept asking. She continually, and we will see, she continues to plead the case for her daughter. Likewise, we need to plead our cases before the Lord. So what's the daughter's story? We don't have much. We just know that she's demon-possessed, cruelly tormented by demons. What's the age of the daughter? We, we don't know. Was she involved in the occult? Did she stray from the faith? Did she start hanging out with the wrong crowd and eventually got into things that she can't get herself out of? What was the relationship with the mother before becoming demon-possessed? And what's it like now? You know, we could compare that today to a child who is an unbeliever, a friend that you love, he's an unbeliever, somebody who's the party animal. Somebody that's in bondage to sin, gender confused, strung out on drugs, homosexuality, rejecting God outright. It's the same thing when we're interceding. This woman has her situation and we have ours, the people that we're praying for. And our, our prayers should be just as much in a surrendered mode as this woman. You know, there's a lot of broken broken hearts out there. A lot of people are hurting. You know, with this, with the uh, there's this thing I, I constantly see and that of parents of, of of child have children are on strung out on drugs, and I have seen them on Facebook and I, and I see their cries and their, their 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 hope their misdirected hope and and my my heart breaks for them, and they're they're hopeless. And then you know, there's times when that person uh, perhaps dies and and. And they're looking at that as, now he's at peace. And it's just heartbreaking. And and I always see these things, and I I think to myself, they need Jesus. They need the Lord. They need to intercede, and they need to call upon the Lord who can change them, who can deliver them. And it's just, my prayer is for people who are dealing with uh, uh, anybody who's strung out on drugs, uh, and because drugs is just like, similar, I guess if you will, bondage to sin when it's when you're deep and in, in, in possessed, because it takes a grip, it holds on, and he can't break it, but the Lord can. And those, for those parents, I, I wish that I would, they would have faith in the Lord like this woman, faith in Jesus, seeking him and making their requests known. And that they wouldn't quit, they wouldn't lose hope, they would continue to intercede. You know, looking at a mother's love, look at a couple of verses here, and I don't know if I have them up there, but I'll read them to you. Um, but God's love compared to a mother's love, as a mother comf- comf- comforts her child, so will I comfort you, and you will be comforted over Jerusalem." It's like Isaiah 66:13. Psalm 131, uh, it, it reads, uh, "But I have learned to feel safe and satif- satisfied, like a young child in its mother's arms, in its mother's arms. You know there's, there's just that peace, right? Mom, your mother, if you've had that experience, not everyone has. People maybe didn't know their mothers, didn't have the right relationship with their mothers. But for those of you that are mothers, parents, friends, Christians, you need to nurture those relationships. You need to... Your children, your friends, shouldn't have that similar comfort as a child in its mother's arms. Intercede. What does 1 Timothy 2.1 say? First of all then, I urge that supplications, prayers, and intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. Intercede. That, is, should, be, that should be always part of our prayer life. Absolutely. I mean, if, when we pray, there may be needs that you have to, you're responsible for, that you're seeking the Lord for, but the prayers of others, interceding on the behalf of people who don't have the Lord, that need the Lord, Look at Mark 7.27. It's important that we grasp the understanding of this part of the passage. Mark 27, uh, 7.27. And he said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Verse 28 But she answered him, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Look at Matthew's account. Let's walk through Matthew's account. He answered, Jesus answers, I I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. She knelt before him as we know she was prostrate. Lord, help me. Verse 26 and 27. And he answered, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. What is going on here? What is happening here when we see the the children, we see the dogs? Is this the harshness of it, if it's there? Where's the compassion? What's the understanding here? Well, it's clear when you understand the context of what's going on and who is speaking, who's saying, and who's saying what. The children, speaking of the house of Israel. Here also, perhaps the disciples, because Jesus is there in seclusion, perhaps for one-on-one training with the disciples the house of Israel, the disciples, the dogs, are the Gentiles. And so what is going on here? What is going on here overall, the grand picture, scheme of things, Mark, 20, uh, Mark 7, 24 to 30, is a preview, a demonstration that salvation is for all. And with we, that, we need to grasp to understand what's happening here. The Jews, and so there's a few things that we want to grasp in here to understand the context, is That salvation is for all. The Jews and the Gentiles, salvation is for all. This is not a rejection to this woman. In no way is it a rejection. John 3.16 says what? That that, uh, for God so loved the world, right? He gave his only son to whosoever. Whosoever believes. Romans 10.12 and 13 says, For there is no distinction, so let's understand this. There is no distinction between Jew and Greek for the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Quotes from uh, the book of Joel. No distinction. So there's, what we see is salvation is for all, number one. Number two, the Jews are to be his faithful witness to the world. In Romans 1 look at these few verses. Romans 1 16 says this, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Salvation is for all. Galatians 3 7, therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. Abraham? Look at Galatians 3 8. The scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, All the nations will be blessed in you. The promise from Genesis 12, verse 3, of uh, that through him the nations will be blessed. Amen. Praise the Lord. And Matthew twenty eight, nineteen, go to all nations, making disciples, Amen. And Acts one eight. Look at Acts one eight it says, But you will receive power, dunamis, WHEN THE HOLY SPIRIT HAS COME UPON YOU, AND YOU SHALL BE my, witness, MY WITNESSES BOTH IN JERUSALEM AND IN ALL OF JUDEA AND SAMARIA, AND TO EVEN THE MOST repart- REMOTEST PARTS OF THE EARTH. SALVATION IS FOR ALL, JEW AND GENTILE, BUT THERE'S AN ORDER. THE CHILDREN AND THE DOGS, WHAT IS GOING ON HERE? VERSE 27, AND HE SAID TO HER, LET THE, let the CHILDREN BE FED FIRST, FOR IT IS NOT RIGHT TO TAKE THE CHILDREN'S BREAD AND THROW IT TO THE DOGS. The Jews are the, chi- are the children, the disciples, uh, and the dogs of the Gentiles. This word, not this word, but the word dog that is used in Scripture, kuon, kuon, was a word that was used for the mangy, stray, scavenger dog, that, and, and it was used for the Gentiles because they were despised, just like a stray animal or a stray dog. This, the, that word, kuon, is that word that re- refers to a stray dog. That's not the one that's used here though. In scripture, we see Jesus using that the, the stray dog word when he says the dogs licked Lazarus' wounds. And Paul uses it when he says, beware of dogs, evil workers, these scavengers. Beware of these mangy scavengers, uh, uh, evil workers. Peter uses that word, kuon, dogs return, when a dog returns to its vomit. So they're using it in the context of a mangy scavenger, a wild dog. But here, Jesus removes that insult because he is Jesus and salvation is for all. And he's drawing her. So he uses the word kunarion, and that means a little dog, a house dog, a puppy. And so what's happening is he's saying that, you know what, uh, that you will eat, just not first. The house of Israel, the Jews will be used as a witness, and he's here for them, for the, for the world, for you. When you think about this, he's using this little dog of a house pet, of, of your dog, think of your, your dogs, in fact. When you think of your animals at home, how much you love them, right? I mean, it kind of gives you an understanding to relate to. He's talking, he's showing a relationship. The dog is in the house. It's a pet. It's not a stray. He's taking away that sting, what the world has on them. But he's drawing her. That sting is removed. What was Jesus' expression when he said this? What was his cadence when he spoke it? Clearly, he said it in a way that did not um, anger her. It drew her in because of how he uses this word. Think about your pets. You know, I think about my first, well, not my first, but I think of um, one of my dogs, Bruno, big old German shepherd. And uh, that that guy, he was before our kids. Had him, treated him like a little kid. He had his first birthday, and we had a Cake, we had a piñata, <laughs> <Brought, laughs> had family over, man, that was, that was a blast. <laughs> but you know, you know your love for your animals, right? But that's the picture, you know? If someone said something about, wow, you know, you love your dog, oh yeah, this guy, because he's your pet, he's, you love him. He, you know, no one's going to mess with him. Well, he's drawing from the ugliness of the word uh, kuon to, kunaria, to kunarian, house pet, all in the same house you too. Salvation is for you. But notice even this uh, in verse 28 now. The the, word, the, word, the, uh, the woman, it's saying here, but she answered him, him to him and said, yes, Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. In uh, Matthew's account, it says, um, yeah, I think I have that verse. What's my next verse after the t- 27. Yeah, Matthew 15, 25 and 27 says, but she came and knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. And she said, yes, Lord, in verse 27. Yes, Lord, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. She is using the word Lord, which is kurios. Kurios, which is Yahweh. It's speaking of master. It's speaking of supreme authority. She knows who Jesus is. She knows who he is, she knows what he's capable of doing, and, and she's not deterred because he's drawing her. He's challenging her. He's testing her faith because she is a woman of faith. She's using this word kurias. And this word kurias we find in other scriptures like in Luke 5:8 when Peter is he falls before the Lord. It says, "But when Simon Peter saw that he fell down at Jesus' feet, he saw a miracle, saying, "Go away from me, kurias." Yahweh, for I am a sinful man, O Kurias, Yahweh. He knew who Jesus was at that moment. In Acts 9.5, we have Paul, Saul at the time, persecuting the church. In verse 5, it says, And he said, Who are you, Kurias, Yahweh? And he said, I am, Jesus said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. She uses this word, kurios. In Romans 10.9, it says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Yahweh, Kurias, Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So she is using that, and that's important to understand this woman's faith. She knows who she's talking to. She's talking to the one that can change and deliver her daughter. So look at Matthew chapter 15, verse 23. So that passage right there can be confusing, but it's, it's, it, it's, it's enlightening, if you will, of the Lord God's heart for the world. There was, a, there was an order, there was a process, the Jews to be the faithful witness for everyone. And so now look at Matthew 15, 23. It says here this, because I want to look at the responses to the, to the woman. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, send her away, for she is crying out after us. So the disciples are focused on this woman and her shrieks, if you will, her crying. They said, send her away. Get her out of here. She's crying out. She's crying out after us. I think Matthew or um, one of the versions says, uh, she's shouting at us. She's shouting at us. This woman, and, and you know, you can imagine the scene crying out. Krodzo. yeah, kradzo is the word. It means shrieks, crying out with a loud voice, like the cry of a raven. How many of you wake up in the morning and have all these ravens crying out? And, yeah, right? And they're, and all that, whatever. So, but it was just to them, it was like, she's just crying out. We're here, in seclusion, and, and can't, we, can't a guy get any privacy, you know? And so they're, they're annoyed. And when, maybe they were trying to maintain what Jesus wanted. Maybe he said, yeah, we're going to go, and we're, you know, hey, you know, and, 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 he, and he's talking to them. He's ministering to them. They're becoming equipped one-on-one, and this woman comes in, falls down. She's broken. She's shrieking, Lord, son of David, and they're like, you know what? We're, this is our time, and then but what they're doing, whatever the case was, they were saying, she's shouting at us. The result for their response was a distancing from that woman. Far be it from us that we create a distancing from someone in need. Amen. The disciples may have been trying to do what Jesus wanted, perhaps whatever, but I just want to point out that if we focus on the wrong thing, the wrong, the sin perhaps, or who she is, or what that person is, or their problems, we can lose sight and create distance. You know, the Bible says we are to hate sin. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Joe shared a scripture recently, 8.13, I think it was, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Amen. We hate evil. Romans 12.9 says to abhor evil, to be terrified of it. You don't want nothing to do with it because you're so terrified of it. Psalm 97.10 says, You who love the Lord hate evil, and we should hate evil because evil destroys. Satan destroys and the people we love, and we should hate it, it, sin, the enemy, but if we get focused on the sin, we will lose sight of the soul. We can't focus on the sin, the color of the skin, the, the gender, whatever, anything, because we've got to keep focus on it, the person's soul. So that we intercede for them. Otherwise, we're tainted and we don't intercede properly with this falling down before the Lord prostrate. So we've got to be able to separate ourselves from that don't lose sight of the soul. You know, I think of the days, uh, back in the days when uh, I was younger, and I had childhood friends, and we grew up in the neighborhood and get older, and you watch guys get involved in gangs. You watch guys get involved in drugs. I recall the days hanging out, you know, with the, my buddies, I don't know, high schoolish age, whatever, in the projects, and just hanging out and not doing anything much Our good ourselves. But, but seeing people I knew as childhood friends strung out on drugs, smoking uh, angel dust and and just zombies. And you look at them and you think, look at that guy. Look at the decisions he made, man. What a loser. When I'm just as much of a loser at the moment. But I'm focused on his sin. I'm focused on something other than his soul. Wasn't a believer. But as a believer, we can't get focused on the person's sin, destructive life and behavior because they're lost and they're in bondage and we need to intercede for them without any clouding of our, of our hearts. Focus on the soul. Look at Jesus' response, right? He's focused on her soul. There's a delayed response, but he's drawing her with his words. And she keeps seeking. Matthew 15, 23. Look at these. I'll, I'll point this out. But he did not answer. Jesus didn't answer. She comes in unannounced. She falls down. She's begging, crying out like a raven. She's shrieking, he doesn't say anything. They speak up and say, "Get her out of here. Send her away. She's shouting at us. This is all wrong. She's not even invited. But Jesus says nothing. What's the look? How is he looking at her? Was he looking at her? I want to know. He did not answer a word, and his disciples came and begged and saying, "Send her away, for she is crying out after us." He answered. After them, he answered, I, sent, I, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. He answers like that. But she came and knelt before him saying, Lord, Kurios, Yahweh, help me. And then he answered again. And he continued about the children, the dogs, the food. And he's drawing her. He was establishing the sincerity of her faith here. Jesus' response, well, first of all, his silence Spoke volumes. His pause spoke volumes. With his answers, he caused a drawing of her, of her as an intercessor, establishing her faith, testing her faith. And she's all in because she knows who he is and what he can do. Man, if I get in line and there's something I want to get into. um, well, let's say the USC UCLA game. I want to get in there, right? And someone gives me a ticket and they, Wow, well, yeah, but well, you're a nosebleed. Um, I'm like, you know what? I don't care, man. I'm getting in. You know, there's the excitement there. She's saying, you know what? Right? It's fine. It's fine. And so this, this woman is being drawn. She is being drawn by Jesus' re- response. Not like the disciples. So in this case... Unless the disciples were just a little confused and trying to get do the right thing, don't be like them. Be like Christ and draw. Cause like salt, right? Season your words with salt so that they have flavor, like a bag of chips, and they want more and more. Because you're drawing them. Jesus answers with prayer. Jesus answers this woman what does the scripture say? Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Right? So we need to draw near just like this woman as intercessors. Draw near to God. Don't give up. Hold fast. Stand fast on behalf of people who are even to the point of demon possession. Oh, they're too far gone. They're, they're given over. They're not too far gone. They're breathing. Intercede for these individuals. Mark seven twenty nine. And he said to her, for this statement, you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. Verse 30, and she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. Deliverance over there, not he didn't go. They're here over there. Deliverance because of this faith, this faithful intercessor. Matthew 15, 28 reads this way. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Instantly. The daughter was delivered instantly. That word there means that hour, that moment. Boom, done. Maybe she was seeking out... I don't. I, speculation let's look at the world people crying finding books sending to doctors therapists doing all these things trying to get their kid to change behave or their husband or daughter whatever it is and nothing and nothing over failure 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 and then the lord comes in and can just change it a dime amen instantly at that hour no ritual ritualistic prayers didn't have to light a candle no special donation needed but faith-led intercession. Amen? Faith-led intercession. Strong faith. She didn't insist. No, okay, but come with me. you got to lay hands on her. It's done. But her faith was so great, I believe it goes home. And she's delivered. Man. Whew. Beautiful. <laughs> this... Woman had incredible faith that we should see and desire and and and, and be the same. We want to. Have, we have to. We gotta desire that faith. Lord, help me to have faith that you can, that you will deliver. Help me, Lord, to to trust you. You know. Um, so she goes home, and 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 she, the the demon is gone. She is the second Gentile to be commended for her faith. The second Gentile to be commended. The first you find in Luke 7, I think verse 1, the centurion uh, who comes to the Lord. There's a Gentile, a Roman soldier, and he goes and he sends for Jesus. He goes and he has people, he sends out for Jesus, and, uh, and then Jesus hears that he, servant needs to be healed, and Jesus goes to him to the servant. But then this, before Jesus gets there, the centurion sends out some friends to meet Jesus. And he says these things. I'm not worthy. Yeah. The the centurion sends these friends out to say this to Jesus. He says, I am not worthy for you to enter my home. This Gentile, this Roman soldier, I'm not worthy for you to enter my home. I'm not worthy to come to you. He just says, and he talks about, I'm a, I'm a leader, and, and I know I tell my men to do things, and they do it, and, and he compares, and he says, say the word, and let my servant be healed. Just say the word, because I know who you are. That, there's our heart again. Lord, just heal. Lord, help. Lord, save. Deliver. That's our prayer, because it says here, look at 7, verse 9. Luke 7, verse 9. It says, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. There's that word again. He was blown away. Turning to the crowd that was following him, he said, I tell you, I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. These, this is Gentile faith. Salvation is for all. There's an order. But how beautiful when we see how the Lord works. She found her daughter delivered or resting quietly. She was laying in bed. Peace is restored. The household is restored. We, you, people around the world are just seeking God, asking, I just need peace in my life. I just need peace. My friend needs deliverance. My, my, my mother, my father, my uncle, my friends. And she returns and there's peace. It's restored. And so I ask today, are you praying for someone's deliverance, for someone's healing, for restoration, for peace back in your home like it used to be. The relationships restored back to the way they used to be. Salvation for someone, maybe even your spouse, your children. You know, we need to seek the Lord. And you know, I'll tell you this as well, is not everyone is healed. Not everyone is delivered. But you know What? That's that person's decision whether they want to choose Christ. It's also that person that um, is a situation where because sin has entered the world, we die of diseases. We become sick. There are birth defects. There are things that take place. But that doesn't stop us from being intercessors, faith-filled intercessions, intercessors, intercessors. Now, so we need to make our requests known to God. And let me close with this verse, these two verses. Philippians 4, 6 and 7, as I mentioned earlier, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Let's make sure we're making our requests known to God. All of them. Hold back nothing. People are dying. People are, are, are being tormented by demons in their own ways without Christ. And we have Christ. We have access to the throne. Seek the Lord. Make your requests known. Look at verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We need to have peace in our hearts and minds that we are interceding. Not everyone makes the right choice. Not everyone will choose Christ. But I know what I'm going to do. I know what we need to do. And we need to intercede on their behalf. So that we leave nothing on the table. We leave nothing undone that we turn over every rock, every stone, and seek the Lord, making our requests known. Amen? He's wonderful, and he saves, he delivers, and our role is to be faith-filled intercessors. Amen? We're going to pass out communion, but let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your love for this world, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that even through our prayers, our faith, Lord, that you hear us, Lord, that you do things. Lord, I pray that right now that the people that are hearing your word, that are hurting and that are, that are praying for people or maybe are feeling guilty because they haven't lifted people up in prayer that they should, the way they should. Lord, I pray that we would not condemn ourselves, but rather we would throw ourselves at the mercy of your, at your feet, prostrate our hearts before you and ask you, Lord, to deliver those who we love. Lord, I pray that you would use us I pray, Father, that you would step in. We don't need to be there. We know you're there. You're everywhere, Lord. And we pray that you would move among those hearts. Lord, I pray that you would just change lives. People would receive you. People would have an opportunity to receive you, Lord, and that they would choose you. They would choose eternal life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.